Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro. It is an honor and privilege to share this time with you. We love studying the scriptures and feel they are central to our preaching, teaching, and living of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Our mission here is to grow disciples of Jesus Christ who know him, love him, and serve him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. It is our prayer that God would use our preaching and teaching to do exactly that. If you have questions, thoughts, ideas, or just want to talk a little bit more about what you've heard today, we love to hear from you. Most of all, know that you are in our prayers as we listen together. Now, let's dive in. Let's hear the word of God. Uh, Verse 2, chapter 9. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Listen to him. Suddenly, When they looked around, they saw no one with him anymore, but only Jesus, only Jesus, the word of God for the people of God. And so we say, thanks be to God. There's this church in uh, the South Bronx, which is a neighborhood of New York, as I understand it. The church is called Transfiguration Lutheran Church. That's a fine name for a church, isn't it? Transfiguration Lutheran Church. That church was founded in the heyday of the neighborhood when everything was just booming. It was a wonderful place, a wonderful neighborhood, and a very special time to start a church. The church had seen many transfiguration moments over the years, but in the 1970s and 80s, uh, crime, poverty, drugs gripped New York. You may remember hearing about this, or maybe you've read some about what happened in those decades. Despair overshadowed the whole place like a dark cloud. Lack of education and opportunity became the norm. The the church, once wealthy, powerful, influential, making a difference in so many lives, well, it just went into a steep decline. Fewer and fewer people less money to do ministry, uh, no real ministry other than worship on Sunday morning if you could get in. Transfiguration kept its doors shut tightly to the suffering world around it. It was the only thing they knew to do was to be so very careful, always, always hoping for some new mountaintop moment when everything would go back to the way it was and they could open their doors again. I think We all hunger for these kind of new mountaintop moments 
especially when we feel confused and unsettled and we don't know what's going on all around us. We're all hungry to be caught up in something like Peter, James, and John, what they experienced. It's, it's really a bit ironic how uh, rational, enlightened, scientific people like ourselves really do make much more meaning out of mystery than we do out of facts and figures. That's just how our human brains work. I, I do love to study my Bible through an engineer's eyes. I make charts and diagrams and all those kinds. Of, I love doing that. I really do. But do you know what I love even more? Even more than that, I love that moment in private prayer when I feel the rush of God's presence come from out of nowhere. I love that mysterious moment. Oh, my goodness. Even more than that, I love the, the wild eyes of the person that we've never met before who shows up on Sunday morning and says, God told me to come here. Tell me about Jesus. I need to know about Jesus. That happens way more than you could ever imagine right here in this place. I love the mystery in that. How in the world does stuff like that happen? Oh, it just gives me shivers every time I think about it. Even, even more than that still is to walk up on one of y'all at Walmart when you're trying to help somebody whose life is absolutely falling apart. That happens to me all the time. It is never a coincidence. God ordains those moments. We're able to talk and pray and be with people whose lives are falling apart. It's inspiring to watch you work as you walk with people through great struggles in life. Jesus inspired Peter, James, and John up on this high mountain. They're just up there praying, and Moses and Elijah suddenly stand there with Jesus. Jesus is shining bright as the sun. I don't know if Moses and Elijah had on a name tag or what, but they knew who they were. Somehow, they knew exactly who they were. I wonder if their minds didn't go back to six days before when Jesus had been talking about his death and resurrection, about self-denial and cross-bearing, the last thing he says to them is, truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they have seen, till they see that the kingdom of God has come with power. I wonder, is this transfiguration moment what he was talking about six days before? Peter breaks the silence. You can always count on Peter to break the silence. Lord, it's good for us to be here. Oh, it's so good to be here. Let's make three dwellings, one for you, one for Elijah, one for Moses. Peter is just, he's just trying to capture the sacredness of the moment to stretch it out as long as he can. Let's commemorate what is happening on this mountain. Let's dwell in what is happening on this mountain as long as we possibly can. The truth is, Peter's just so terrified, he can't stop talking. <laughs> you, you've got Moses representing the law. You've got Elijah representing the prophets. The two pillars of the Jewish religious system, they're there with Jesus on this mountain. They are, they're all caught up together as if to make crystal clear, Jesus is the fulfillment of it all. The fulfillment of the law and the prophets they enter a cloud, just like Moses on Mount Sinai. Do you remember back to Moses? The voice of the one true God says, this is my son, the beloved. What does he say? Listen to him. Listen to him. Suddenly, only Jesus is there with Peter, James, and John. They are reeling the last three words ringing in their ears. Listen to him. 
I think the church of today needs its own transfiguration moment. I think we need to hear the one true God say with astounding clarity, listen to Jesus. Listen to him. Oh, goodness, we are listening to so many voices in our day and time. Anybody with a camera, a YouTube channel, and some followers can now speak with authority about anything under the sun. Opinions are treated as gospel, seeming so right, being so different, often so disconnected from truth of any kind. It's hard to know who to listen to in this melee of stuff that's happening around this church. Here again, Mark chapter 9, verse 7, listen to him. Listen to Jesus. How do we do that? Well, the scriptures are full of Jesus and the best thinking about what to do with what Jesus says. You don't need a theology degree to start listening to Jesus. Just read your Bibles, especially the Gospels. Read them every day. Pray for the Holy Spirit to give wisdom and discernment. Listen for God in your prayers and get together with each other to talk about what you're learning. This is the best way to listen to Jesus. It's not rocket science. It just takes time, time to listen to Jesus. If something doesn't sound like Jesus, don't listen to it. At best, it's just a waste of your time. At worst, it will create a hard spot in your heart that will take God years to fix. If you need a filter to help listen for Jesus, I can share mine with you. The Jesus we meet in the scriptures is so remarkably consistent, I think, in these four areas. The first one, Jesus always, always heightens my awareness of my sin and brokenness. Not yours, not yours, mine. Jesus always heightens my awareness of my sin and brokenness. Yet when I'm walking with Jesus, I don't fear the wrath of God because of my sin. No, I, I delight in the promise of God to help me become the person I've been created to be. It's, it's like that coach you might have had back in the day. Do y'all remember that coach? You'd just run through a wall for that man. Why? Because he loves you and he believes that you are capable of way more good than what you realize. That's Jesus. That's how you know you're listening to Jesus. The second filter, Jesus expands our understanding of grace and the power of God in every single situation. Whatever understanding of grace we bring to some very difficult and complicated situation of life, Jesus says, guess what? There's more, and it's probably going to take all of it to get you through this thing. At the heart of that grace is the promise of the gospel. Jesus has died for my sins and for the sins of the whole world because he loves all of us. He brings as a gift that which none of us could ever earn. Instead of judging each other like we often do, we ought to be on our faces before him, weeping with joy that by his grace he believes the best about every one of us until it becomes true, not because it's already true. The third thing, Jesus lives and breathes the sacred worth of all people. We hear it all over the scriptures, but I think we hear it best, I hear it best in Matthew 10, 29. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not a one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. Even the hairs on your head are counted, so do not be afraid. 
for you are of more value, much more value than many sparrows, the sacred worth of all people. This is the one I think that gets us in the most trouble. We people of faith often feel obliged to make these proclamations about right and wrong and good and evil, and we have to do that sometimes. But when we make these proclamations in ways that don't acknowledge the sacred worth of all people, we aren't listening to Jesus. Well, preacher, that kind of muddies the water. Yes, it does. Every single time it muddies the water. But guess what? The water's already muddy, and it's not going to get any cleaner until we bring Jesus into the water. The water is always muddy. We might as well recognize that. If you speak and think in ways that don't leave room for the grace of God to work in the life of every single human being, you aren't listening to Jesus. And you might be cutting yourself off from the very grace that is trying to save you. The last one for me. Jesus brings new life. Just as Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets, he is the first installment of God's new creation, which is coming to this world already. His resurrection from the dead shattered the chains of hell and death. Said another way, Jesus is hope, even in the worst kind of despair. And if we're listening to him, we're hearing hope. We're doing hope. We are living hope. If the hope of Jesus isn't at least beginning to spring up from your footsteps, you might be listening to the wrong people. You might not be listening to Jesus. Now, let's circle back to the South Bronx. At some point, that Transfiguration Lutheran Church finally realized their neighborhood was never going back to the way that it was. They started listening to Jesus. That's what they started doing, listening to him. They unlocked the doors of their private shelter and stepped out into the neighborhood doing whatever little things they could do to love and to help their neighbors. They did meet the incredible distress of their community, ravaged by poverty and hopelessness. They did feel overwhelmed by despair, and they learned to pray like they never had prayed before. But they also discovered their own transfiguration moment. They realized all that time, all those years with the door shut and locked, Jesus had not changed, but they had changed. They had finally come to see Jesus differently. The point of faith was not to dwell on the mountain locked up with Jesus shining like the sun. The point of faith was to come down the mountain with a vision for the unimagined possibility Jesus can bring to the places of deepest, deepest despair. In their transfiguration, they found life again, new life in Jesus Christ, right in that place where, where the holiness of God meets with the mess of real life in the person of Jesus and in the person of those who listen to him. Those who have ears to hear, hear what the Spirit says to the churches. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, may the people of God say, Amen.